Children are dismissed. I am sorry. We have, we have music here to go on for a couple hours. <laughs> With Luke 15, and let's look at verse 3. Matthew, Luke, or Mark, Luke. There we go. Third, uh, let's go to the Gospels in Luke chapter 15. But it's good to see. I remember when we, uh, Chris and I, were teaching those kids. And, you know, on uh, Wednesday nights. And uh, they were little. <laughs> they were little. And I look at, I look at like one of them I can't even recognize. It's like, oh, I know her. <laughs> How are you? Good. Good to see you. Anyway, wow, those are the kids that we used to teach Bible. <laughs> no, they're, growing, they're older than us. What happened to us, Chris? Did we, did we age? <laughs> anyway, let's look at Luke chapter 15, verse 3, all the way, all the way to verse 7. Look what it says. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What men of you, having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, thou now leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until ye find it. See, there's a question mark there. So Jesus is asking a question there. And when he had found it, he lay it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he come at home, he called call it together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto him, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repented, more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Thank you, Lord, that you, very, you are very clear here in this parable. You asked them a question because they needed a Savior. And I pray, Father, if there's someone here this morning that never received Jesus as their personal Savior or someone online, Lord, it don't matter what barrier, what culture we may come from, all of us need you. I pray, Father, they may call upon you for salvation today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So Jesus is very clear here. Listen, folks, we live in a very technical world, so to speak. Uh, I went to New York and I left my earbuds at home, whatever, if you know what that means, and I felt destitute. I was like, where's my earbuds? I feel like something is missing out of here. It's amazing how we, you know, uh, actually, the Lord taught me something because this week I went to work and left it out, those things at home twice. And I felt like, you know, this part of me is missing. What about if you leave your cell phone at home? That is even worse. So we live in a very technical world, uh, and, but be careful with that. I'm going to tell you why, because don't believe that everything you read on the Internet is true. Yeah. You know, that's, people put those things there. So, so there's a lot of truth in there, don't get me wrong, but I can see today any little thing. People are already searching there. Google. Google knows everything. So they're already searching. They're already searching. You ask somebody a question, somebody have an answer or some, some answer because they already Google. It is amazing what people do, but here's one thing. It don't matter how technical we become, we still need the Savior. And salvation is the same way through Jesus Christ alone. Amen. It doesn't matter how technical we be, have become. We still need a Savior. Back to basics. That's why, yeah, refocus. That's our theme for the year. You know, I refocus because I remember the times when we used to have cameras, we had to focus and refocus to get a nice picture. That's a picture out of focus right there. So what we do, we need to refocus on what is important. Back to basics. You know what we need? We need Jesus. We need Jesus in our lives. 
We need Jesus for everyday life. No matter how technical we become. Let me put it this way. If all the satellites fall down, and if we lose all our cell phones, could we still function? Listen, folks, I grew up in a country there was no electricity. Every night, listen to this, we had candlelight dinners. You say, well, in the world you came from, that's right, in Portugal. It was Ors Islands. You know what? Seven years old, eight, about eight years old when electricity came to town. We didn't have TV until I was 13 years old. So we didn't miss TV much because we didn't have one. We didn't even know it existed. But you know, it's amazing. And we had, and we had color TV. Soon it came out. My dad bought a color TV, black and white. <laughs> Program was from 6 in the evening to 11 o'clock. That was it. And it was like, there will come the news, then the little cartoons, then there was a little cartoon every night, send everybody, all the kids to bed. So they're like, you know, 8 o'clock, everybody went to bed. My mother loved that cartoon. <laughs> everybody went to bed. But anyway, here's the thing. It don't matter how technical we become. It don't matter how, how much evolved we think we become. Everyone needs a Savior. So the message to this morning is the value of one. The value of one. Folks, let me put it this way. Every person in this world is valuable to God. It don't matter what culture you have become or you come from, what language you speak. Don't matter if you're poor or rich. Everyone is valuable to God because God can use everyone. You say, oh, God cannot use me because I did so much wrong. Confess it to God. God will forgive you. And you know what? And he can use you in a great way. Remember, Jesus asked a question right here. Look what he says. He says in verse uh, 4, look what he says. What men of you, he's asking them a question, having a hundred sheep, he's talking to shepherds, the people that understand what he's talking about, and said, if you lose one of them, do not leave, uh, do not leave the 99 in the wilderness, which they are protected there, and go after the one which is, which is lost until he find it. Brother Wilson said this morning, in America, what we become is too lazy because we don't give the gospel. Yeah. We don't even bother to give the gospel. We don't see the urgency of giving the gospel. So, this passage is interesting right here because from verse 3 to verse 7 records the illustration of the lost sheep. From verse 8 to verse 10 records the illustration of the lost silver. And from the verse 11 to verse 24, illustration of the lost son. And of course, verse 25 to 32, we see the illustration of uh, lost siblings. So we're going to look at here this morning about the value of one. Do you believe that everyone is valuable to God? I believe so. I believe no matter where you are in life, you can be actually homeless, but you're still valuable to God. God put value on people. That's why we should respect every person. Don't matter who they are, where they come from, what language they speak, don't matter what status they are in life, rich and poor, it doesn't matter. Everyone is valuable to God. And we Christians are to look at people the same way. We should never look down at somebody because their, their status in life is lower than ours. Should never do that. So let's look in here and a couple of points to you this morning about the value of one. Number one, the shepherd's compassion. Look at verse 4. What men of you, having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, do not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the which is lost until he find it. So Jesus used a practical question to convey a great truth right here. 
he asks a question using something that was very familiar to Israel. What is it? What did Israel knew how to do? She is shepherds. They knew everything about sheep. They were not men of war. They were shepherds. So they knew when, when Jesus began to talk about sheep, they knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. If one sheep gets out of the fold, when sheep is lost, don't you go after that sheep? But he was also trying to touch their hearts because they were lost themselves as well. Because we see here in the passage. So they, uh, these are so many, there are so many sheep who are lost right out there. There are many people who are lost. Of course, Jesus is talking about people here. He came to the house of Israel. The Bible says he came to his own, and his own received him not. But we see the shepherd's compassion here. The Lord's compassion. He is compassionate about people who are lost. Folks, put it this way. Do we care about those who are lost? Brother, many languages in your country? 90,500. Did you see that? 90,500 languages. 19, 19. Oh, nine, 19. 1950. Oh, okay. 1900, right? 19,000. Okay, that's okay. But you see that? I speak three languages. I think I, I'm like, wow. <laughs> Can you imagine? Wow. Well, anyway, you see the compassion of the Lord. He's right here to go. Let's go after that one. You see, here's what happens. Oh, missions conference. Oh, how can we reach so many people? It's thousands of people in this world. You know what? Let's reach one at a time. Let's reach one at a time. If you do your part and I do my part, if we as church collectively do our part, let me tell you, we can reach. I said this the, the other day. I said this. All right. If you reach one person and you disciple that person and you teach that person to go reach somebody else and you continue to reach another person, let's say you do that one in one year. You see how many people can you reach? The problem is we're not reaching anybody. That's the problem. Letter A, we see compassion for the lost, for lost sheep. The word lost right here is the same word that is translated perish in John 3.16. It means to be lost, ruined, or destroyed, to be separated from God. In other words, this little sheep is in great danger. They, are, they, were, they were headed to ruin. And let me tell you, folks, every person in this world that is lost is in danger of going to hell. They're just one step to go to eternity. I can give you examples of examples of people that lost their life in three seconds like that. The other day we had a story in my job, and people were shook up because when these things happen, people get, get a little shook up. This guy is coming in his motorcycle. If you ever go on that road, it's called 403. It's an open road, two-lane road, straight up straight. This guy was doing over 100 miles an hour in a motorcycle, and when he tried to stop the motorcycle, it was a, a, a truck going across the road. He couldn't stop. Guess what he did? He hit that truck head on. People coming behind him saw the whole thing. The news came to the job. People choked up. Oh, oh, goodness. You know what? That's the reality of life. Anyone can lose their life in two seconds. You know what? People who are, not, who are lost in this world are in danger of going to a place that they don't want to go. You know what? The Lord's compassion. He's compassion for those who are lost. In Matthew, the Bible says, when the Lord looked at the multitudes, it moved the heart of God, the compassion of God, because he saw sheep without a shepherd. They were lost. 
So we see the compassion of the, 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 the shepherd right here. Now, let it be, we see uh, love for the lost sheep. Look what it says in verse 5. And when he had found it, he lay it on the shoulders rejoicing. See, this sheep may have been wandering for a long time. But I, let me tell you this. When, God's, when somebody gets saved, the heavens rejoice. I thought yesterday, I mean, I'll tell you, put it this way. Don't you rejoice when somebody gets saved? They called me. I was in New York. I tell you why. I was on top. They didn't see what I was. But I was on top. It was a trailer right there. And they put built a platform right there of wood when they have their little cookouts and stuff. And I was there by myself. So I came outside. And I was like jumping like this. I was rejoicing. You know what? Somebody got saved. Somebody got saved. That's one soul that's not going to hell, folks. It's good. It gives you a cause to sing hallelujah and then to rejoice. In the heavens rejoice too. Don't you think that way? You see, how do, do you know that? Look, number one, he, say, he said it. Look, Lord says, For God so loved the world that he gave us only begotten Son. Look what it says. That whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. Amen. Folks, this verse is written in the present tense. You know what? Everyone that calls upon the Lord will be saved. Right. No matter what language or culture. Number two, he showed it. I mean, we see this in verse uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 6. It says, when, he were, yet, when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for what? For the ungodly. I praise the Lord that 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to Calvary for me that was born 2,000 years later. Praise the Lord for his shed blood. Praise the Lord for Calvary's cross. You see, let us see. He cared for the lonely sheep. Oh, folks, how many people are so lonely in this world? How many people, and brother, you said early, they say, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me. I'm just a failure. I tell you, folks, you might not think this way. There are many people that think this way. Why do you think that at Christmas time, the worst bridge in the world is the San Francisco Bridge where a lot of people commit suicide there? You know why? Because they come to that point, nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. Might as well just die. There is one that loves every single human being in this world. He loves people. That's why he came and shed his blood. He cares for those who are lonely. That's why he leaves the 99. He says, I'm going to leave you there, and I'm going to go after that one which is lost. What a message for the church. What a message for us. Go ye into all the world and tell those who are lost about the great Savior. I tell you, folks, I am so glad that someone knocked on my door one day. That person didn't lead me to Christ, but that person planted a seed in my heart. That person came with a bucket of water the following Saturday, you know what, and put water in that seat because I was the one who opened that door. And I recognized, and I'm like, oh, what do you want here? And I, he didn't say, I'm coming with the bucket to put water in the seat. He didn't say that, but that's exactly what he did. And you know what? When I began to go to church and heard his preaching, and there was a brother there that led me to the Lord, I never forgot that day. What a day of rejoicing. Care for the lonely sheep. There are many... People in this world that needs the Lord, let's go after them. So we see the strength of the shepherd's compassion. Number two, we see the, the shepherd's commitment. Look what it says in verse 5. And when he had found it, he laid it on his shoulders rejoicing. I tell you, folks, I like that, that those footprints in the sand. This doesn't mean much by a lot of people. When I look at that, I remember my Savior. How many times did Jesus carry me on his shoulders? How many times I thought that I was doing things by myself and it was God there taking care of me? You been there? Oh, yeah, all of us been there. 
But the shepherd's commitment, he said, I'm going to leave you there. I'm going to go until I find them. Wow, that's commitment, isn't it? What about the person that you know that needs the Lord? You said, I'm going to go after you until you get saved. As long as as you live, I'm going to go after you. I tell you what, I went after my dad for 11 years. You say, what did you do? I prayed for him. I witnessed him for 11 years. You know what? 11 years later, guess who led him to the Lord? I did. You know, he's in heaven right now. And one day, I will meet him again. You know, I have a mother that is unsaved. She needs the Lord as well. I have two sisters that need the Lord as well. Commitment causes us to keep going, keep going, keep telling, keep going after those who are lost. Letter A is a sacrificial commitment. It is a sacrificial commitment because it demands a lot of us. It demands you that you take, make time. It demands that you be ready to give an answer to those who ask of you. It's a sacrificial commitment. Don't you think that Jesus came to, the, to earth with a sacrificial commitment in his part? To put a form of a man and went to Calvary's cross to be spit in the face and mocked. But he did that for you and me. He was committed to that cross. What about us? Are we committed to those who are lost? Folks, I'm preaching to you and I'm preaching to me because I need to hear as well. It's a sacrificial commitment for the shepherd was committed to that. Look at the Lord's commitment. It was him that was spit in the face, not us. It was him that, were, that they made mockery of. It was him that was scourged with the, tail, with, the, uh, with the tail of nine tails by the Romans. It was him that was nailed to the cross. It was him that shed his blood on Calvary's cross. It was him that said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Salvation was accomplished because the commitment of our great Savior. That's why it was accomplished, because he was committed. What about us? Are we committed? Individually, are we committed? As a church, are we committed? Folks, let me put it this way. Missions conference is not just to make a good show. It's to encourage you in your commitment to the Lord. I will witness. I will give a track. I will financially support those who go in the othermost parts of the earth. Because I, I, you know what? I want to see brothers and sisters in heaven one day because my sacrificial giving. And say, well, Pastor, I can't do that. Yes, you can. I can't give. Yes, you can. If I can go to McDonald's and spend $25 in a meal, I can skip that meal, go home and eat, and grab that money and support a missionary. It's just practicality, folks. You say, Pastor, you will make my life miserable. No, I want you to rejoice with the Lord and have a walk of joy and say, Lord, I'm living for you. I'm not living for the world. I'm not living for myself, and I rejoice on this and what I do. Some people think that Christianity is just boring. Oh, you know, if I do this, I'm going to be the most bored, bored person on the earth. You come after me and you see if it's boring. All right? Pattern yourself after me. It's like, I'm not the most perfect Christian, but I tell you what, I love Jesus. Let it be. is a successful commitment. The shepherd did not stop until his mission has been accomplished, has been complete, and the sheep was found. Jesus did not stop on his quest until he was able to say, it is finished. He didn't stop. His labor has been, was not wasted. His labor, he did what, you know what, and he gives that example to us. Let me put it this way. You, are you witness to somebody? 
Are you, are you, you know, it's people in your heart that you, 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 that they're not saved and you, you, you want to see them saved, go after them. Tell them, tell them. I said, well, but you cannot shove Christianity in their, in their throats. No, it's true. You cannot make nobody get saved, but you can keep on telling them. You know what I do in my workplace? I don't go, John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. I don't do that. I just quote the Bible in the conversation. He said, how do you do that? I don't say chapter this, verse that. I just quote it out. It comes right out. Proverbs is the greatest book for me. You say, why? How do you do that? Read Proverbs and see how you can infuse that in a conversation. And they look at you and go, well, where did you hear that from? I said, do you like it? Ah, it's good. You know why? Because you bring conviction. You bring conviction. A lot of times it's just a job that's coming up, something they're doing, and boom, boom, here goes the Bible. And they look at you. I mean, God's word never written void, my friends. It's a successful commitment. Let's do it. So number three, we see the shepherd's conquest here. The shepherd's conquest. Look at verse 6 and verse 7. And when he cometh home, what happened here, folks? He found the sheep. He led them to the Lord. Now he comes home. Look what it says. He called to get his friends, his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me. You know what my church family did yesterday? They called me and rejoiced with me. And I rejoiced in the other side. That's why I was jumping. They didn't see me, but I was jumping. And I was jumping because I was rejoicing with them. I mean, I think the rest of the family, if they saw me, I mean, it's my, my, my daughter's house is like this. And one side of the house is a big window. Uh, Fortunately, I was on the other side, so they couldn't see me. Not because I did it purposely. I just was there. I was bouncing in that thing. I was happy, rejoicing. If they saw me on the other side, they would be like, what is wrong with that guy? What's wrong with them? My daughter would be the first one to come and say, Daddy, are you okay? <laughs> and she makes those eyes just like me. Are you okay? <laughs> if you know my Emily, you would you agree with me. So. So he said, when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors and saying unto them, so he's coming home and he, he's going to say to them, give him the news, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Look at verse 7. I say unto you, now he's talking to those good fellows right here, those who are walking around piously saying, look at me, I'm a good man. I deserve to go to heaven because I follow the law. You know what? He says to them, I say unto you. Now, Jesus turned the conversation and said, I say unto you now. He says, likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repented. More than 99 just persons which need no repentance you see what he's doing here he's talking about a lost sheep that he went and got he found the lost sheep he's bringing them in now he turns the conversation and points at them you as you are you as lost as the other one because you don't see your need for a savior wow i hope we don't have people here in the church that think they don't need a savior they're just religious tell you what folks when Jesus found the Lord's sheep and carried him into his, uh, on his shoulder back to the shepherd's fall, that was a great conquest. And this, 
and on his part. It was, it was a sheep who was lost, destined for destruction. But Jesus comes to the rescue. And let me tell you, folks, God is never far away from anybody. I do not believe in Calvinism. If you ever heard of such a doctrine. God is closer to every person. When a person calls on the Lord, God is there for salvation. God is there for You can be in a jungle somewhere, in the middle of the ocean somewhere, lost as a goose somewhere. When you call upon the Lord for salvation, He comes to the rescue. And you will find Him. Few roads, amazing grace. You know the story of that man? Who was he when he got saved? A horrendous storm. The boat full of slaves. And a, a, a horrendous storm right there. And he knew he was going to die. He said, Lord, he gave his life to Christ right there in that boat. If God said, you've been so bad I don't save you. Oh, no, no, no. He got saved right there. That's why he wrote the song, Amazing Grace, to save a wretch like me. It's a confession. He's telling that how bad he was. It's probably the most popular Christian song that we sing. But he was so broken. He was so, in his own heart, I'm so bad, he says, it is an amazing grace, Lord, that you save a wretch like me. I guess we all can say that. But we see, we see the shepherd's conquest here, folks. Folks, there are a lot of people out there in this world. It is one called the devil who continually blinds the eyes of many of them. Folks, that is, the great, that is a great harvest that you need to be involved, is looking at the harvest fields and look at the people of this world. I am forever thankful for the person that reached out to me. Folks, you know how life was before I got saved? I was not a little kid. I grew up in a Christian home. I didn't have a Bible around me. You know how life was before I got saved? Life was about me, myself and I. I could care about people. It was all about me. You, somebody could be in the street dying, I could care less because that's how arrogant I was. It's amazing that God gave me a heart for people which I didn't have before. But that's what God does. You see the shepherd conquest here. He comes with the one that he went and went for the Lord, and he points at the other one. The other ones, you don't need no forgiveness because you're too righteous. May we don't sit in a Bible-believing church, convince ourselves that we are saved and we lost as goose. May we not convince ourselves. May we challenge ourselves. Am I saved? Am I a child of God? Because ultimately it goes like this. You can conquer the world. You can have all the electronic devices you want. You can drive the biggest Mercedes. You can drive, I don't know, a Ferrari, whatever you want. But in the end, if you don't have Christ, you will die and leave with nothing. To a place called hell. So the shepherd's conquest here, folks, that is the greatest harvest. There's a lots of sheep, a lot of people that need, that need to be rescued. There's a, lot, there's a certain Savior to serve, and his name is Jesus. There's a conquest to be made. We need to win the lost. 
if we look up at the harvest fields and commit ourselves to getting involved in the, in the, in, in the business of rescuing you people, let me tell you, we can rescue some from the waters of destruction. So when you leave church today and you walk in, look, in your local restaurant, what do you see? Lost people. When you get onto 95 on the roads, what do you go see driving those cars? Most people are lost. When you go into your neighborhood and you get out of your car and look at your neighbor across the yard, most likely that is lost. You see, you see all these lost people, and the question is, what are we doing? When you're in a grocery store or when you're walking in the bank or when you're walking in the street and you have your pocket full of tracks, right? You have some of these with you. And the Lord puts in your heart, go give a track to that person. And you begin to sweat. And you begin to ignore it, and you walk the other way. You know what happened to me one time in the grocery store? I was doing, minding my own business, minding my own business. You know how I go to the grocery store, I walk in and walk out. I already know what everything is. Out the door. I time myself, and I'm proud of myself when I walk out. I'm like, 15 minutes, that is good. Let me see if I can beat the 12. <laughs> you know, I, and I have done that. But this particular day, I walk in the store, and I was there, and the Lord said, give a track to that lady. I looked at the opposite side. Is anybody here? Who? Got my carriage? The opposite way I went. And I was like, whew. I turn around. Guess who's coming the other aisle? The same lady. And I'm going, oh. And she eyed me. I'm like, mm, oh. You know what? Hello, ma'am. How are you? I'm doing good. Isn't that a wonderful day to do shopping today? I'm not much of a shopper. I have this thing for you. What do you want to... Thank you. There you go. I did all the sweating, walking away, and the Lord said, go give him a track. How many times happens to any of us? You in the park, you in your neighborhood, you in your car, you park in the parking lot, and, you, and a little put it in your heart, give a track to that person. And we brush it off. We ignore it. You know what? We lost a vision for those who are lost. That's a ha what happens there. We lost a vision for those who are lost. They need a savior. Don't lose that vision. Did I give you the letter A and down to that third point, the conquest? Involves rescue. Letter A. Look at verse, says, verse 6 says, For I have found my sheep which was lost. This shepherd called Jesus didn't give up on the lost sheep. And we should never give up on people. Don't give up on people. You know what I do every time we have an outreach in our church? I preach the gospel. You know what I do? We have our piano recital. I look at the opportunity. I preach the gospel. You know what? Because in my, you know what I do when I go to, to do a funeral? I preach the gospel. You know what? Because the people there probably not, I will never be able to do after, or maybe they were never going to hear anyone say, uh, preach the gospel. They need to hear the gospel right there. I went to a, visit a man that was dying of cancer. And I began to talk to him because the brother said, you can hear him. So his brother was next to him. So I began to give the gospel to this person. And the brother says to me, my brother is perfect. He never sinned. He doesn't need to hear that. What a motivation. 
You need to hear as much as he did. So I give the gospel to both of them. They need a savior. He said, Pastor, how many people get saved when you do that? It's not my job. My job, my responsibility, and your responsibility is to do what God called us to do. Go ye and tell the lost about the Lord Jesus. What they do with the message is not your responsibility. You follow that? You are a messenger. So you bring the message to those who are lost. What they do with it, that's their prerogative. You're not the Savior. You're just a messenger. That's who we are. We should keep it that way. God does the saving, saving, and we are the messengers of the great king. We have a messenger. Brother Wilson is going to India. You know what he's going to do? He's going to bring the message of the gospel to those people there. And we here are to bring the gospel, the gospel message to those who are around us. Our community, our, our Jerusalem, our Judea, the innermost parts of the earth. We have to go do it. You know, folks, it's the sad thing that I see. I've been in big churches. First Baptist Church, over almost 800 people there, if not 1,000. Big church. Great Island Baptist Temple. Big church, maybe three, 400 people, maybe 500 people there. When it came to Saturday visitation or Tuesday night or Thursday or whatever they have it, you know, show up, the pastor, the assistant pastor, and maybe two faithful soldiers. Where are the church? Everybody is busy. You know, you don't understand. I'm busy. I do want don't you think the ones that show up are busy too? You see, Brother Wilson said this morning very well, we got too lazy. I love that statement, brother. We got too lazy. We lost the vision for the lost. That's what happened. Let it be. The conquest involves rest. Look what it says. And when he had found, he lay it on his shoulders rejoicing. Let me tell you. How wonderful it is to be on Jesus' shoulders, rejoicing, living, resting. I don't know about you, but about me. When I got saved, I fell at rest. Did you ever feel that way? I fell at rest. It's like, wow, I got saved. I understood what I have done. We rested here. Let us see. The conquest involves rejoicing. Rejoicing. Here's one thing that I think I'm going to implement here in our church. You know what? And we used to do this on First Baptist. We had little, little Mexican little uh, uh, toys, they had, they had little clappers. Clap, 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 you know? So we used to go out on visitation, and we come out, and everybody would give this story. And we would clap, 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 clap. You know what? You know what we would do? We were rejoicing. Uh, folks, so you go out, you talk to people, you come to church, and you give your story. It's a moment to rejoice, to talk about it. You know what? It's a family business. Look what it says. It says, look what it says in the verse. And when he cometh home, he called together his friends, see, friends, and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repented. You see, we rejoice down here, so is the heavens. The angels of heaven are rejoicing because they understand what it is for one soul that was lost to be saved. Right. Folks, this shepherd was able to rejoice with his friends and neighbors because his lost sheep was found. I tell you what, that's the reason it's important. 
when we have a wonderful story, we witness to someone the way we, we put water in a, in, a, in a seed. And I tell you what, what a wonderful opportunity for the church to rejoice together. We need to rejoice together because this is a big deal, folks. They're like, oh, Brother Wilson, I wish you the best. You're going to India, and maybe someday I'll see you again, and I wish you the best. No, 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 no. We rejoice with him. Look about these people that he was talking about. They got saved and baptized. We should rejoice with them because they're souls that will be, be with us in eternity in heaven. We're going to be with them. We're going, to, we're going to worship our Lord together, all together, all of us. So the conquest involves rejoicing. Witness to the Lord and rejoice with it. Don't be like fearful, like, oh, oh, I wish they never opened that door. Oh, goodness, if I open, knock on that door, oh, I wish they never opened that door. Oh, no, no, I never tell anybody. I'm a... Listen, folks, there's nothing to be afraid of. We live in a free country. Tell them about Jesus. You know, folks, I'm going to close with this, and I close with this. The opportunity for this liberty that we have might come to an end. And when it comes to an end, many are going to regret, I should have done this, I should have done that. You know what? I think Brother Wilson would say, I would love to have the liberty that you folks have in America so we can proclaim the gospel in India the way you folks do it here. Imagine if they have the same liberty that we have here. But we have the liberty, and we're not doing nothing with it. What's wrong? Are we fell asleep as Christians? We lost the vision that Jesus wants us to go and tell people about the great Savior? In America, it's supposed to be a Christian nation. You say, why are we not a Christian nation? We're not a Christian nation, folks. Right. You know one of the biggest problems? The church, the local church, forgot to go tell the lost about a great Savior. That's what happened. We so involved in so many programs, we forgot to go and tell about the great Savior. Do you know those sheep that need a Savior? I believe you do. Go and tell them. Because Jesus is in the business of rescuing people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this day, for the blessing. Oh, be enabled, Lord, to be used of you, to tell others about you. Father, I believe that every person that is saved here this morning rejoice in the fact they are saved. But, Lord, they know people that need a Savior. I pray, Father, give them the courage and the boldness that they need to go tell them about the great Savior. Let's reach one at a time, Lord. Help us to do that. Collectively as a church and also individually as people. Pray for Brother Wilson, Lord. Bless him and his ministry and all those pastors in India that need encouragement to go on in a country that in many ways is dangerous to go out in public places and give the gospel to people. Lord, I pray for someone here that never received Jesus as Savior. May today they call upon you for salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.